welcome to the How Long to Beat podcast. Um, brain fart. Let's try again. <laughs> and yeah, okay. That was the thing. Go. Hello, and welcome to the How Long to Beat podcast. Uh, I'm Rick, joined by Alex. Hello. And Paula. Hello. Uh, at the time of recording, it is uh, Fiestas Patrias in Chile. So. Happy Fiestas Patras to Paula and anyone else from Chile who's listening to us. Um, As always, we are going to hit on the games we've beaten, played, retired. Uh, This week's topic is enthusiasts versus collectors gaming. Uh, We're going to have to refresh that as we go back. I know it's collector's mindset. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, we'll we'll get there when we get there. And then uh, we will continue with this, the latest installment of everyone's favorite podcast based. Uh, game show thing. How long to be? Yes! The game! <laughs> I'm just going for it now. I'm just going to start it. <laughs> now you're on my timer. <laughs> Paula and I Wait, were on. Your... <laughs> Wait, for your time, Alex, why don't you lead us off with the play? Sure. <laughs> uh, what I mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, I beat the, the week three of the play date, which while last week I thought was very weak, this week has been a highlight week really excellent game one that i for me was a 10 out of 10 because it was just a perfect in like i won't like yeah obviously no spoiler or anything but like there's a there's a kind of puzzle type game um that uh is in this week that is really really excellent um it is very clever humorous and for the type of puzzle game it is it constantly is introducing you new uh things um, and like new concepts to it um, while maintaining the same similar kind of simple puzzle dynamics um, in just very charming and very fun ways. And it has a bunch of modes. Like it feels like, I don't know, it feels like a game that is like even more ambitious than being on the play date, which I think is why it's so lovely. Like it's just, it's very good. And I'm excited for you to uh, try it out once you get there. The other game um, was fine. Uh, not as strong, I don't think, uh, but I think that's only because the the core conceit was a little weaker. You know, it's interesting. Like, so far, the crank has been fascinating. I don't know if I've played a game that has completely sold me on the crank. Um, that being said, it's not really a big deal because, like, I mean, the crank's just, like, optional. You know what I mean? Um, but I've yet to play a game that really made me be like, oh, yeah, I definitely need it. There were some that it was fun in, like, um, uh, but I've, I've yet to really play something where I was just like, oh, yeah, like, this game is better because of this. You know what I mean? Which There's not a killer app yet, yeah. Yeah, which, to be fair, I, you know, I'm also only three weeks in, right? I mean, there's a lot more games coming. Um, but also, just like, realistically i think it's going to take time for something to kind of appear in that sense you know right like there needs to be sort of experiments with it like you're not just going to get something that fucking kicks it out of the park right away um so that being said games that relied on a a little more of a traditional um kind of uh input i've actually found to be the best which i also don't think is surprising right because again it's tried and true d-pad a plus b game boy style stuff it, it works yeah. you know um but yeah i'm i'm still loving it um i'm kind of sad that i beat bloom because i haven't been like picking it up as often um 
just because the thing was so awesome. But I've been really, really enjoying it. And I can't wait for next week, which starts tomorrow. So yeah, two more new games. I got to say, the season thing really selling me on it. Because it's just like each Monday I wake up and I'm like, oh, I have new games. <laughs> you're like, it's a lot of games, right? Like, I, you know, there's not many consoles that you buy that you get 24, like, excellent you know, even when they're even when they're weak, it's like, yeah, well, whatever. I have so many more, <laughs> you know. Mm. Um, so anyway, that's me. What about? Uh, oh, Rick, you beat the one and only Return of the Obra Return Dinn. of Tell the Obra Dinn. I certainly <laughs> did. I really, really enjoyed this game. Um, there's definitely a not necessarily a drop off, but the mm. without spoiling too much. Obviously, the conceit of the game is to work out what happened to everyone. And because of the way that's structured, you solve that in groups of three. Um, <laughs> Alex has just spilt water all over his desk and I can't keep it together. <laughs> all over myself. Just drop tissue in the background. Just, I'm a, I'm I just saw the liquid in slow motion just go out of the bottle <laughs> and your face just dropped. Yeah. Luckily, I'm wearing quick dry shorts, so you know. For all the exercise that I'm doing in my house right now. <laughs> Just not much. <laughs> TMI on HLTB. <laughs> Quick dry shorts are normal things. I'm joking, I'm joking. It's fine. Um, Overdin's great, but because you're solving in twos and threes, um, as you get closer to solving everyone's fates, uh, there are more situations where you can not so much brute force it, but uh, take calculated guesses. I think that's kind of by design. I found it really interesting. In hindsight, having looked through the wiki after I completed the game, um, to try and work out if I've missed some obvious things with certain characters, uh, there are some logical leaps that are less than obvious. But I think that's to the game's credit because it's almost um, a halfway house between linear and emergent gameplay where there are lots of different ways to... Um, to bake the cake as it were like there's there's lots of different ways you could have worked out the people generally speaking you'll find out how the story unfolds in broadly the same way but what clues you pull from each thing and how you piece those all together um there's a lot of moving parts there the game's excellent the game's really really good um anything that i bring up that's critical is really really splitting hairs so the narrative set up it's a little bit swiss cheesy there's definitely some elements in the back end of the narrative that are um a little bit anticlimactic just because you kind of have all the parts in your head there's not a big reveal at the end there are absolutely big reveals through the game but the the, the big sort of final act doesn't really doesn't really deliver for me but the package as a whole is exceptional there is no game like this there's nothing like this and it is absolutely worth experiencing if you are interested in narrative um, games, if you're interested in the ways that the medium can be used to tell a different kind of tale. Um, in short, if you're the kind of person that's listening to this podcast, it's similar to um, one of the games we were talking about last week. If you're here, you've probably already played this game, to be fair. I'm way behind the curve on this one, but if by some <laughs> twist of fate you haven't, you really, really should. Um, would you say I have missed anything in that, Alex? No, I, I think... It's similar to immortality, like when I talked about that one the other day, where the issue is that the non-linearity and the fact that you have to solve things on your own can mean that sometimes you solve things faster, perchance, than maybe the game expects. Although I'm not even sure that that's the case. Um, I don't even think it's that the game doesn't expect you to figure this out. It's just that 
by doing so, you kind of, you reveal it all. You know what I mean? And so then from there, it's like, well, okay, I know now. And so you actually start to question yourself a little bit on like, okay, so I found all of that. Is that it then? Have I like beaten the game? Oh no, wait, there's more. Which I think Return of the Oberdin does less of. Like I think they do a much better job than Immortality does. Um, but it's the overarching kinda... narrative is kind of less less important. The devil's in the detail with Oberdin. I get the impression yeah. that the the big story is more important to Immortality. I haven't played that, but that's the impression I get. It is. I I, I would agree. I would think so as well. Um, then again, all the clips are really good too. Anyway, they're, they're different games, but that's just one of the. It's kind of maybe an inevitability of the genre in some ways for those kind of more open-end narrative uh, games where it's just you yeah you you honestly cannot control the way that the narrative trickles out to someone you can in a a bit but ultimately you uh, cede some of that control which i think is what also makes those games so um enticing in a lot of ways too right compelling for sure yeah you're like well might be different than what i expect you know like there's like a, a bit of that in there so anyway i don't know who thought <laughs> i i have to say as well the the jingle that pops up when you solve three of the fates one of the best jingles in gaming oh hell yeah good shit oh so good um yeah i i don't i i want to talk a lot more about the game i don't want to spoil anything for anyone who's yet to play the game uh so i'm going to park it and just say nine out of ten really really good um paula Tell us about Railbound, which to be fair, you have blitzed through if you've beaten it. I'm like level <laughs> five of eight, but you've smashed it through. Yeah, I have this thing with puzzle games that there's like past certain point of the game, I just try to complete it just to I don't know, it's like, oh, one more puzzle. One more puzzle. <laughs> one more puzzle. Just another one. I swear this is the last one of the day. <laughs> Okay, Oops, I like this one is the last Yeah. <laughs> so one thing about Rayvon is the later um levels of the game get like very, very hard. But in the last world world of the game, world eight or like map eight, whatever you wanted to call it, sure. it's kind of like they try to mix up a little bit of everything. But at the same time, the puzzles aren't as tight as in the previous maps. So that was like a little bit of a letdown. Still, most of the puzzles in the game I found to be like very interesting and very fun to complete. There were a couple of instances that my completionist brain was like, I really cannot, for fuck's sake, figure out this puzzle. I'm going to use a guide because... (laughs) It was like one of the optional puzzles, and it was like the only puzzle that I have left on on map one. And I was like, "Well, fuck it! I've been at this for whoever knows how long. I'm gonna use some uh, a guide for this." And then was like, "I'm an idiot! That was so <laughs> fucking easy! <laughs> like it was like uh... the only thing that didn't like quite click with me." And it was like, "Oh yeah, that that was." I, I know the solution now, so I can see it. It was obvious, but it, it, it was not when, when you were like trying to solve it. And one thing that I really like is that you sometimes have to think a little bit outside of the box. Mm. And especially in the later puzzles, it seems like the devs kind of want you to go into one direction in World 8. 
but you can solve it in like many different ways because you're given like more rails to work with. Mm. So at that point it's like, okay, you can do whatever. We just have these things on the map, like in case you want to use them, but there were times that I didn't use them at all. Uh, so yeah, Railbound for me was a nine out of 10, mainly because of it falling a little bit flat near the end. But otherwise, it was a very nice outside uh, puzzle game with very adorable graphics. The story wasn't... Sorry, go on. Go ahead. Oh, uh, you remember how in Invento, the story was being told like almost after every puzzle or like mm -hmm. every couple of puzzles. In this case, it was like after each map. So there isn't much of a story like in Invento, but it was still like a little tell that what it was that was kind of cute nice mm. i was just going to ask Paolo if you used because i know you mentioned you went to a guide a few times if you'd use the in-game hint system at all there was a game in an in-game hint system i was trying yeah. to Literally, look for it and well. i didn't find it Signposted. so it's buried in the settings to be fair and if it's switched off you'll never see it but um, I'm just going to double check on my version of the game exactly where you go. I think it might weirdly be under accessibility, um, but you can enable or disable the hint system. It gives you a little pop-up button and you can press it and it will suggest a couple of the tiles. And then every time you reset the map, it will let you suggest a couple more tiles until you get it sort of thing. Um, That's so sad because that way I wouldn't have like had to use a guide. Yeah. It is so hidden, but it was like... It, <laughs> it, it's a really good hint system as well it's really elegantly done um yeah it's under accessibility it's hint system i know because i've had to use it a few times um like you say there's quite a few puzzles where the dev almost leads you one way when actually solving the puzzle requires you to to approach things a little bit differently uh they do that mainly as far as i've got in the first half of the game by um the placement of the fixed elements of the track that you then build yeah. around um but yeah, for, any, for anyone who's listening, one, that hint system's there. Two, the devs have promised some extra levels later this year. Mm, um, they said they're going to add, like an, I think, an additional world or worlds. So if, like Pally, you've already beat it, maybe don't uninstall it just yet. Um, it's yeah. kind of a shame, though, on the friggin' like, not, like, honestly, in my opinion, it's like, just have your hint system on and allow it to be easily turned off than other way around because yeah. if you do yeah. it the other way around you don't fucking know it's there you know what i mean it's yeah. easier for me to just shut it off than to find it <laughs> like yeah especially yeah. in a puzzle i mean in a fucking puzzle game it's like you need to have your goddamn hint system obvious like it's a puzzle game for christ's sake <laughs> and i have to say inaccessibility <laughs> like i see the sense of putting inaccessibility i think in game settings make a bit more sense yeah right anyway yeah that's the main thing is it's there that might be a thing to mention. <laughs> <coughs> oh, excuse me. Oh, my God. Um, speaking of puzzle games, doing things less than perfectly, uh, why don't you tell us about your retirement, Alex, off the back of my horrific, really, really weak, reaching segue. Uh, I can't buy time any longer. Something went down my throat. <laughs> Dear God, I'm dying. <laughs> All right, I'm good. I was like, I can stretch this. I can stretch this. I couldn't quite do it. Oh, I don't know what the heck that was. I'm not even eating anything. Someone just down my throat. Um, it's not a bad game at all. I'm just done. It's a puzzle game. You know what I mean? You know, you know, you know, this is a Rick, you and I think 
I get to a certain point in a puzzle game and I go like, all right, I'm fine. I got to, I went through 50 levels and there's like another 50. And I was like, well, I mean, I did 50 levels. That's pretty good. I'm yeah. good. <laughs> <laughs> I don't finish these things. They, they know this, right? Uh, yeah, for right. anyone who's listening, that game is Tapeworm Disco Puzzle. Oh, yes. Thank you. Tape, yeah, Tapeworm right. Disco Puzzle on Playdate. Yeah. It's also on NES as well and a few other. It's really good. Like I, I extreme. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's made by a company called, uh, I think they call themselves Low Tech Games. And so they make okay. games for like older machines, um, which is why it controls very well. And it feels very modern despite being, you know, designed for older systems. So yeah, yeah. I, I in, in, like enthusiastically endorse playing this game because it's extremely well done. And it's also very good on play date. It looks beautiful. Um, but mm-hmm. it's a puzzle game. I don't tend to finish yeah. these. <laughs> <laughs> and that's really all there is to it. Um, so why don't we jump then into playing? Because uh, that's kind of all we've got yeah. for retirements, I think. Do any of you want to yeah, take it? I was thinking, I love how you do uh, retire puzzle games, and I have to, like, almost, like, what's the word for it? Like, my impulse, I yeah. Have, yeah, my impulse, I need to finish them, because otherwise it will just drive me crazy. Yeah. I did think as you were talking about your experience with Railbound, that is a contrast. Yeah, I just couldn't. I, I just when it comes to puzzle games, the only ones that I'll really go all in on are like Picross games. Like I'll I'll make sure to finish those. But I just couldn't give a shit when it comes to most puzzle games. You know, because like, I, and this is bad. I just get to a point where a puzzle game becomes confusing for me, and like it, like the the challenge becomes so difficult to the point where I'm like, you know, I could sit here and figure it out because I know eventually I would figure it out. Or I could just stop. <laughs> and most of the time, I just stop. <laughs> Had I considered not doing that? Yeah, right? I, it was I, like, <laughs> I'm having a good day. I don't really want to ruin it. <laughs> and, uh, wow. Uh, and, and that might be a good segue into my playings because I, I, I'm kind of there a little bit with Railbound. And Railbound is undoubtedly brilliant. Like I said, I'm, I'm about the halfway point on that. Um, but it's one of those where I can feel the puzzles getting a bit harder, uh, getting a bit more laborious. It's not that I'm going to retire this one. I think this one I am going to finish in spite of that um, because the hint system is really strong and I like the whole package. But I have noticed myself slowing down how much I've played it. Um, so it's very much just in sort of five-minute chunks in and around uh, work, other tasks, commutes, stuff like that, that I've actually been picking it up. Uh, my commutes primarily, though, um, have been taken up by Live Alive in the past week. Uh, I'm I'm getting close to this one, so I am like in the home stretch of the near future chapter. Um, I ended up finishing the distant future first, and then once I finished this one, it's whatever end game stuff there is to tie all the narratives together, mm-hmm. um, and that'll be me. So I expect to finish this in the next week. I think looking back on the game. I'm probably not quite as wholeheartedly enthusiastic about it as I was at the outset. I still think the setup's great. I still love the 2D HD overhaul. Uh, The music is still brilliant throughout. I have to say, the near future stuff particularly, um, a lot of the themes have some jazz um, and some sax stuff built into it. Wonderful. Excuse me. Wonderful. And it's worth saying, like, they've completely redone the music with the um, oversight of the original composer. Um, with like a full band rather than just the MIDI instruments that they could do for SNES. Uh, and there's loads. The Wild West was another standout where they'd done some really yeah. good stuff with the music for that one. Um, 
I just think quite a few of the stories have failed to execute for me. Um, like the distant future, I could definitely tell what they were going for. Didn't quite land for me. Edo Japan was fun if you ignored the central conceit yes. of that setup. Um, present day felt like it, it kind of lacked any teeth because it was just a series of one-off fights that kind of bled into each other, but not not in a in a way that really was compelling. It was coherent, but it wasn't compelling. Um, I think the the end game for this is going to make or break it for me. And I hope it's a make. Even if it, if it falls flat at the end, I expect I'll still come away overall quite positive about the game. Um, I've liked the vignette of it, even if they haven't all landed. Um, but where I think in my initial experience of this game, particularly with the China campaign, which is among the strongest, I felt like this was one that people really, really needed to go out and experience. Where I sit at the moment is I think it's excellent but predominantly a game for genre fans. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, and and that, that's how that's changed me over the past week. I have to say, I found myself getting more and more into it as time's gone on. Um, but I think that's a combination of um, inertia, having a bit more time than I did when I first picked up the game to sink into it, um, and also just being interested to see where the story goes, because there's not really been any real hint as to how the game's going to end other than there's like recurring bad guy names. And I think that's all going to bleed into something. Uh, and Alex is nodding his head. So I think I might well, be on. I'm something not there, there yet, but that's what I've heard. Like I'm, I'm just at the end as well of uh, the, uh, like the last, my last chapter, which is the far future. Which would be distant for you. I think you'd already distant, finished near yeah. future. When we spoke about that one. Yeah. 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 Near future um, redeems itself, but it was, I, I really didn't like it at first. Yeah. And actually I, I, didn't not like it at first, but I do think it's it's among the stronger of the game's narratives. Distant Future kind of sucks. Um, yeah. I, I liked the Captain Square minigame thing, and I liked a couple of elements of the narrative, but the narrative's kind of all it's got. It feels like one big, long fetch quest. Yes. Um, masquerading as like a, a two-and-a-half-hour RPG mini campaign, which not my idea of, of fun particularly. Um, it... Distant Future kind of turns all of the strengths of this setup into weaknesses in that there's no inventory management, there's no continuity, it's this little self-contained thing, and so nothing really matters um, except the story, and it's a really clunky, imperfect way of telling the story it wants to tell. And it also is worth saying that in 94, the story at the heart of that campaign might have actually been a bit more impactful. Um, it riffs, without spoiling too much, it riffs a lot on the whole kind of alien in space, no one can hear you scream, evil yeah. corporation messing with power beyond their means sort of thing. Um, that's kind of been done to death now, and that's not the story's fault, but that is the context in which we've experienced it. And that that's... And I mean, um, honestly, like this, this game was made based around popular films, right? Like that was the whole idea. Yeah. It's like take popular film genres and like, and riff on them. So yeah, there's some that you're like, Oh, okay. Well, nowadays that's not actually the popular film genre, right? You're like, that's now just a classic, which is kind of what this game yeah. is at this point too. So it's sort of turned into itself in a weird way. <laughs> yeah, and it's something we've talked about before in different contexts. Is that the game is framed by the time in which it has experienced and what's happening around it. And in this situation, I think that's probably for the worst overall. Albeit the quality still does shine through um, for me. I've waffled on a lot about that one. Um, 
I'm still quote unquote playing a link to the past, but I haven't really touched it. I'm still quote unquote playing Automaton Lung for the 3DS. I still very much don't recommend that. Um, I'm literally <laughs> just picking away at it in two minute chunks. Um, 50-50, knife edge, whether I finish or retire that one. Um, it, it, it's purely a curio for me at this point. Um, the last one, and one I'm actually playing lots, lots more, is Days Gone. Um, I'm probably around the sort of three-quarter mark on this one. It is, gameplay-wise, not necessarily um, moving around too much, but um, the story has really, really progressed. Um, and, and it's very much in the telling more than in the um, the substance of it. So there's, there's a, a, a plot thread that's dangled sort of through the first half of the narrative that has developed exactly the way I expected it would, but the execution is really strong. And I actually found myself thinking, oh my God, what the f-? sort of getting tied into it and caught up in the, the little intricacies of the narrative and things that are moving around. I have to say I am kind of mainlining it much more than I was, um, partially because the game moves you to a new area. There's a, a story conceit that locks off a lot of side activities. There are some side activities available in the area that you're at, but I don't really have any particular interest in them. I'm, I'm interested in seeing the story out and finishing this game off, and um, I expect that I'll do that sooner rather than later. Uh, and I suppose this is another one where the context of when it comes out is so crucial to how the game is perceived. I know we talked about it briefly last week. This is a game that's excellent, but just a few years too late. Um, I want to give the additional caveat, especially in this new area of the game, um, performance is still not great. And it's worth remembering that one of the reasons that Days Gone didn't really get much traction when it first came out is that it launched in a pretty poor state. Um, doubly so for a first-party Sony title. It's the kind of thing that you would expect would, would be better on arrival um but the core gameplay is good the the gunplay feels like you're expecting it to feel um it, it does that kind of last of us thing where things are accurate but there is a degree of inaccuracy baked in to give some tension and some stakes to things uh, on anything but like the most high precision high caliber weaponry um the running around of the map feels good. The bike gets much better as you go through and upgrade it. Um, and that really sort of ties into you and your character developing and rebuilding. And that's um, a really smart sort of bake in there. Um, the voice acting, the, the mocap work, a lot of incidental stuff around it is really well done. Um, but it's kind of, you know, a, a minimal go to checkpoint, do activity come back to main hub, rinse, repeat, experience side activity, rinse, repeat. There's not much variety and there's nothing that sets this game apart from any other open world survival-y, shooty thing that you've done, really. The story may be a little bit, but not to the extent that it justifies the whole package. And it's worth saying there are rumours they're going to make a, a show or a film out of this, which I think the story's capable of carrying that. I don't know that they'll land it but that's a factor you know if the story is what you're caring about give it a couple of years and you've probably got a much nicer way to digest that i am enjoying my time with it i am definitely going to finish it i don't know that i would recommend it to anybody who didn't download it on ps plus or get it through the playstation essential thing um when they bought their ps5 i, I just don't think 
there is a real compelling reason or USP for this game. Um, and that's a shame. But it is good. And this is kind of a classic sort of seven or eight situation where I'm so focused on the bits that aren't quite right or or the bits that are missing. The game underneath is still good. It's the kind of thing that, you know, someone who plays um, FIFA and card and, and the odd thing they pick up on a whim every year would play this game and have a really, really good time. Um, it doesn't stand up to its contemporaries. And, and that is knowledge that we as people who are more interested in gaming are aware of. And that's where um, it falls flat because it, it didn't do enough to attract the people who would have liked it irrespective. Um, and there were too many problems for it to really get any kind of traction with the people who know. Well, I mean, that's the um, issue. Like at the end of the day, um, if you're going to make a fucking game in like, that is basically in one of the most popular genres with just like so many fucking soulless clones out there, gotta give it something like it's just this when i look at that game i go like there's a million games i could play just like this that are really really good and it's why it's it's tough to be like oh yeah well i'll go play this mediocre-ish one verse which is like you know and you're like and nothing there's nothing like horrifically wrong with it but then you're also like but there's nothing incredibly right with it right or you're just like eh, correct <laughs> yeah yeah and hell i'm only playing it because i got it through ps plus uh, my pet theory is because if you go back to sort of pre-release material, they were really hyping up the zombie hordes. Yeah. And there are I literally one or two set pieces where the hordes are relevant and you will occasionally see a horde on the map and have to avoid them. Um, I really think they should have baked the hordes into it more. I think there should have been more set pieces built around them. I think they should have really leaned in hard to like set pieces working around the unconfrontable, inevitable tide of zombies. Now, I don't know if it's a technical thing, if it was a thing that was never really planned and marketing just, you know, took an idea and ran with it beyond their remit. But well, I mean, I think it's entirely possible that marketing was like, how the fuck do we market this zombie game? Um... <laughs> yeah. Cause totally they're like, sad. I think it, yeah. Um, I think if, if I'm, putting my builder's hat on. I'm like, how do I fix this situation? More horde stuff and more specific stuff built around what the horde does to the setup would have been incredible. Um, as far into the game as I am, I haven't really seen it. And that is a problem. Um, I've waffled on about this game and my playings more than enough. There's not really a lot of movement on them. There will be, I think we've all got things that we've, kind of close to finishing next week but that's where i am um paula tell us what well, in fact before you do paula segue for you i have downloaded age of empires 4 which i yes. shared with you too uh i have yet to New boot DLC. it up but i do i do need to play it because obviously um paula as the winner of last time's how long to beat the game mandated it and we're pretty close to having a vote on alex's win yeah you better get playing that game that. So <laughs> I, yeah my time's running out it's worth saying the queen's getting buried tomorrow at the time of recording and i'm not particularly bothered about watching the funeral so i have time i they if i know nothing else i have time i have a day off tomorrow too i guess that's what happens when you're a commonwealth country they're just like they made a federal <laughs> holiday for death which listen i have to say is <laughs> Not to be like a blasphemous, but I was like, 
they're like, it's a federal holiday, a day of mourning. And I was like, a holiday? <laughs> I was like, oh, oh sorry, I shouldn't say that so loud. I'm like, yeah! And I, I have to say, <laughs> I had the Tuesday off anyway. So it, it, it's given me like a, a, a four-day weekend, which is oh, excellent. Isn't so. it beautiful? Good on Liz, I say. Yeah, there you go. Well, I mean, well, she was 96. Tomorrow I have a week. <laughs> well, tomorrow I have a day off because of Fiesta's party. So I'm here for multiplayer if you want, Rick. Oh, I'm not ready Ooh. for that kind of multiplayer power. <laughs> I'm, I'm not ready to get burnt like that. Well, we I mean, play I'm not going to play I against guess. you. We can play against the computer. Maybe. 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 I learned mm-hmm. a lot playing with her and Felipe, actually. Um, yeah. That segue installed or um, instigated. Paula, tell us about what you've been playing. So, Age of Empires 4, surprise, surprise. I tried to go <laughs> to a goal 3 this morning and it didn't go well. Whoa. So, I have to train a little bit more before I can get there. Still, my ABM kind of, is kind of like rusty right now because I haven't been playing as much as I was playing like a couple of weeks ago. I'm still playing a lot. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> I I somehow managed to uh, win against Felipe like a couple more times. And he was like, okay, let's play together against other people, please. So I was like, yeah, fine. That's fine by me. And the thing is, is that uh, previously we didn't like do anything to change our strategy going multiplayer. Mm-hmm. But now we watch Vistikiru's video on 2v2 and we was, we discovered that we were we were doing things a little bit wrong like for example um i was just like trying to to stay on feudal like trying to to defend him while he tried to go all the way to imperial mm-hmm. and what should have really happened is that he would defend me with chinese until castle and then I could like pick up all the relics and like secure the economy for both of us. And then we can start like uh, building more units and trying to uh, defeat the opponent before the opponent defeated us. So uh, we made those changes to our strategy. And also we tried to play more defensively because I think Chinese is a more defensive um, civilization or at least. HRE is a more defensive civilization early on. Uh, unlike, for example, the English and French combo, which for fuck's sake, I fucking hate that combo <laughs> so fucking much because they will go to your town with their, with their um, early knights and their uh, longbowmans, and that can make you not have a very good time. Hmm. Especially if you're against both of them and your ally is doesn't have like any units to defend you with or like to help you with. So we made those changes and we actually won two of the three matches. The third match dragged on forever for like an hour and it was like so intense and it was horrible. And then we had to lo- do like a, pers- a post-mortem because we lost. And we were like, yeah, it seems we made, we made a lot of mistakes here. Mm-hmm. So we probably shouldn't have, uh, shouldn't have made the match go on for so long, which we, pro- we should have probably like bestered them early on. 
because we could have done that. And I don't know, there were like so many little things that went wrong. Like we didn't even do the counters right for a while. So it was like, yeah, we fucked up. Anyway, those are my Age of Empires for adventures. There will be many more to come. And hopefully next time I will be equal three. Hopefully I promise nothing. And there's like five weeks left until the next season. So at the very least, I want to get to Gold 3. Hopefully. And, and isn't the, didn't the new DLC just release too? No, the new DLC it has released like in a kind of like a preview for those oh, who have the, the game on Steam. Right, and the pros I think have got it and stuff, but not, not for everybody yet. Yeah. Yeah. Not for everybody yet. And the game the the game is gonna change so much because of the uh, naval uh, update, like the water rework. Everything is gonna be like totally different. Oh yeah, because water's not, not getting much that, play these days. But yeah, that's cool. Yeah, water is like you see water in the map, and it's like hell no. I'm only gonna catch the fishes there, but hopefully there isn't like much more water that. <laughs> separates the civilizations or the ones in fact. Um, so that's gonna get totally rework. We we're gonna we're gonna get the Malians and the Ottomans, which are gonna change the game completely. And also, we are getting eight new maps. Eight new maps. Nice. Which is a lot. And finally, we are getting the towns back because in in Age of Empires 4, 2, sorry, you could just type and send, for example, one, and it would be like, yes, no, uh, two was no, and I don't know, 11 was start the game already, and things like that. And those are uh, coming back like very soon on the next uh, big update. And the other thing that is bad are cheat codes, which I'm not sure if it's if they worked like this in previous games, but you can enable cheat codes in custom multiplayer matches, which I can only imagine is total chaos. Like how do you even play when all the players can cheat? Or like can use cheat codes, especially when there's a cheat code called "This is fine," and you can set buildings on fire mm -hmm. with it. So I can only imagine that all the there's gonna be a lot of spontaneous combustion going on. I would on. assume that they just have modes that disable those, though, right? Like I, I, yeah, I you would can... be surprised if they're even able to be played on. No, you can set them up like for only custom multiplayer matches yeah. and you have to set them on. But by default, they are set up. But imagine how chaotic it would be for a match with multiplayer cheat codes set on. I mean, it sounds like playing Smash Bros with the items. <laughs> Fun, but chaos. <laughs> it could be. It could be that way. 
But also, um, cheats sound anyways. like they would be really fucking annoying in a RTS. Because, like, having to input them on the go, I'm like, that sounds like a whole other game in and of itself. <laughs> yeah, it's like, oh, I could be finding this cheat code, or I could be defending my base because the enemy set the cheat code first, and, well, fuck me. Exactly, man. Priorities. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Uh, still, I'm really happy we're getting new stuff on Age of Empires, and we don't have to pay anything for it. Mm-hmm. And the other two games that I'm playing, sadly, they're not free, but, um, well, one of them could be, if you know what I mean. Uh, <laughs> Fear of Fury, Fading Memories for the Switch. I finished Nicola Francesca's route. I am not sure if I want to immediately jump to the other route or wait for Biofiore uh, 1926 to come out. And then uh, I could play like uh, one route on Faded Memories and then the sequel route immediately after, which sounds like for continuity's sake, it might be better. But also, I'm not sure if I have the patience for the game to arrive before I continue playing Biofiore, but we'll see. The other game that I'm playing is Legend of Zelda A Link to the Past. I haven't gone to the Eastern Palace yet, but I've been collecting quite a lot of stuff. I have two magic bottles, the net, catch, the net for catching bees, and uh, one full piece of heart, no, one full heart container. And what else, what else, what else? And something else I got. I can't remember what. But I've been collecting stuff before going to the first dungeon because one thing that I am still not quite used to in this game are the the controller, the controls. Because you can't go diagonal. And that has cost me quite a bit of health <laughs> already. So I'm trying to make use of stuff like the boomerang to stun enemies before they uh, hit me. and. I'm trying to get, I also got bombs, which was nice. And I got access to a place to replenish my bombs and arrows, but I don't have a bow and arrow yet. So I hope I get that one. That sounds very quintessential, Paola. Collecting a bunch (laughs) of stuff before you get going. (laughs) I just remember you telling us about playing Okura at a time and just like getting all the Skulltalos before (laughs) you guys went further on. Yeah, like, I don't know, for Zelda, I really like to collect a lot of stuff first before I go on. Yeah, it makes sense. Yeah, I mean, this was prior like... to Breath of the Wild. Yeah, oh, yeah. Like, like I understand for Breath of the Wild that you go collecting everything in the way to whatever you're going to. But in other, in other Zelda games, I kind of like collecting stuff as soon as it becomes available for some reason. Instead of like just running into it and then uh, collecting it and stuff like that, Makes unless sense, it's though. like mothers, yeah, unless it's like more modern Zelda games, because at least until uh, Majora's Mask, I felt like I needed that extra stuff because the controllers were kind of clunky, mm. except in the 3DS re- release, which I feel the controllers are fine. 
but for other games like um, Twilight Princess, um, Wayne Waker, even like the the DS games that I feel like, hey, I, I can work with these controllers and I don't feel the controllers are working against me. I, I can just explore it to my leisure. Which probably you guys don't agree with me saying the DS games are, they, they control great. Oh no, I, I like the DS thing. I'm from Record Spirit oh, Tracks. Yeah. is my favorite Zelda that I've played. Or are, are you talking about the 3DS ones or the DS ones? I don't know. The DS ones, uh, Spirit, uh, right. Phantom, Hourglass, eh. and Spirit Tracks. Yeah, they're fine. Control wise. Yeah, um, I didn't love it, I didn't hate it. I was like, no, whatever. Works for the DS. <laughs> works for the is yeah yeah you know like i'm like um, it works like I'm, I'm glad they did that instead of trying to make me fucking d-pad around a 3d space i would have lost my mind um you're, really tough down oh way, right? yeah that would have been horrible um, are you it, saying you didn't enjoy playing mario 64 with the d-pad me uh, yeah i did not enjoy doing that it was rough that's how i first played mario 64 and it's so funny yeah, I, I always thought that i was just totally shit at mario 64 because I could never yeah. do anything well. And then I finally played it again, like, years later on the N64, and I was like, oh! Oh, this makes sense now! <laughs> like, <laughs> And then I think I played on the Wii, the Wii Virtual Console as well, and that's where I was like, oh, this is clearly how this game is meant to be played. <laughs> mm-hmm. They did their best, but it wasn't good enough. <laughs> they tried. <laughs> they exactly. tried. Damn. Yeah, tangent over. So, yeah, that's it for me. Um, playing stuff. I hopefully, hopefully, I'll I have like more, more stuff to talk about next week, which I promise nothing because Hamburg is gonna kill me. But Rick, Rick oh went. Alex, it's me. sorry, <laughs> Rick already went. It's me. Alex, that I'm sorry. Yeah, um, <laughs> I actually don't have a lot to talk about with, with most of these because I've only really been playing one game. Uh, like I've touched Live Alive, I think. I think I touched it. I played a section of Dragon Ball Z Kakarot. Um, Disco Elysium is installed on my hard drive. <laughs> also, I haven't touched it. I'm also waiting to go back. I'm going back to um, this small town that we were staying in for a month. So I'm like, I'm just holding off on PC games until then because I'm like, that's when I'll be playing a fuck ton of them again. Uh, but I've just been doing mm-hmm. console stuff. Uh, I have been playing Sketch Solve on my Playdate, which is just a, it's just a, uh, a Picross game on Playdate and I'm almost done. Uh, and it's lovely on there. Um, but the game that I've really been fucking pouring hours into, I'm like 40 something hours in now is cyberpunk 2077. Uh, great. Excellent. Very fun. Um, I've been loving it. Uh, okay. I'm at the point where I'm at the end now where there are some things that I'm starting to be a little like, "Mm, why'd you design it this way? (laughs) And it's mostly side jobs being like randomly being called for them because there's no like real rhyme or reason as to when individuals will start the side because i've pretty much done all the side jobs now there's only one side job that i have that uh because there's no more on the map i've completed all of the like character side jobs right so i like have those achievements but there's one side job that i have and also that i'm starting to get a lot of glitches at this point I will just have fucking side job things pop up sometimes or like I will get a notification for a side job I have completed. And I'm like, what the fuck? Like suddenly I'll get a call after that side job's been done. And then if I load my game again, that side job's gone. And I'm like, what the hell? Like, what? It feels a little bit like as the save file gets longer, 
it feels like cyberpunk is like coming apart at its seams the more that i've played the game um to the point that i'm just kind of like how is it still around and how is everything okay and like it just anyway there's uh, there's just weird shit that goes on in this game sometimes you know <laughs> like, cyberpunk things yeah, yeah. It, but and this is okay this is the problem though is that the game is all about like weird glitchy stuff and like there's some story things that will have you do stuff and so sometimes I honestly can't tell if the game has glitched or if it's supposed to do this, which is a real problem because sometimes I'll be sitting there and I'm like, nothing's happening. Nothing's happening. Is this meant to be nothing happening or has something glitched? And it's like, yeah. and then I'll reload and I go, okay, no, that was normal. Oh, Jesus Christ. And, and I have weird glitches. Like when I'm looking at computers, if I go into a security camera and then if I leave the security camera feed on the computer, 75% of the time, the cursor on the computer disappears. And I'm often having to go through it. And I'm like, why does that happen? Ah, anyway, it's just really weird little things that like, they're not a big deal. But when you play the game for like almost 50 hours, you get to a point where you start to be like, again, guys? <laughs> you know, you're just like, yeah. they, they, they get a little cumulative and you're like, what the fuck? Um, and... and most of my, I'd actually say that I think most of my complaints are more complaints of like the genre than necessarily this game in particular. And, and I mean that a little bit in terms of like, like all the gigs and like the, the stuff that you, and, and like the leveling system that they chose because the, I, I'm pretty sure it's one of those like scaled leveling, right? Where like, as you level the world levels with you, um, except for some people, like some things get a little easier, et cetera, et cetera. Well, you, you know what I mean? Like there, there aren't really a lot of like overly leveled people. There's usually this kind of, it seems like there's dynamic scaling. There might be some areas where people are really strong. Like when I first started the game, there were definitely people that I couldn't fuck with, but now I'm a fucking, I'm a monster. Like the, the character I've created, um, I am a, sneaking cyber hacking shotgun light machine gun gorilla arms <laughs> so, and it's yeah. extremely fun i gotta say the bare knuckle fighting is actually pretty fucking pretty satisfying yeah, yeah and like i because i did i did the boxing thing at one point after i got gorilla arms and i i, I just decimated it because i did it pretty far in it always said that it was very high danger. And I was like, no, it's not. I would like, I would walk in and I'd go like, boom, boom. And it was just drop. And I was like, <sighs> without gorilla arms, it is very high danger. Yes. So I went man blades instead of gorilla arms. I also did the, um, the boxing quest line pretty early on. Um, as a matter of pure stubbornness, I was like, I'm going to do this. And it took a couple yeah. of tries of essentially perfect runs, just sneaking little hits in and like, mm dancing around the opponent for like three or four minutes until they finally went down. So without gorilla arms, to be fair, it is a pretty dicey one, particularly the last couple of fights. Yeah. With gorilla arms, it's a fucking breeze. <laughs> I believe that. I do believe that. Um, and honestly, I have like flaming gorilla arms right now. And sometimes I just like to walk in and just like, beat the shit out of everyone and you're like i have so much health i don't give a fuck and you're just like beating the shit out of people and i was like this is pretty fun i'm not gonna lie this is pretty fun and like i will say dismembering people with a shotgun is pretty cool like mm -hmm. i come in there and i'm just like i remember there was one level for judy and uh there's just this one minute i won't go into details of the mission but anyway there's just this moment where like you have to like kill a character and they're just like 
well, you won't be able to stop me. And like, they pull out this like knife and I just poof, blew their head off. And I was like, nice try, bitch. <laughs> you know, like, yeah, that was like the whole second half of the game. Yeah. Right? You, the power creep explodes at a certain point. Like you just become- Oh, there's no power creep. It's a power stride. That right? power is proud of how OP it is. It's like, because it's like, okay, you're like fairly strong. And in, you know, it's challenging for the first, like, maybe 10 to 15 levels, maybe. And then all of a sudden, you're like a fucking unstoppable tank. Now, I will say, I, w- I imagine it really depends what you pour your perks into. I respect at one point because I was like, <laughs> listen, all I want is breach protocol, cyber hacking, and shotguns. That's all I want. That's all the perks that I have. I didn't bother with anything fucking else. I don't give a shit. Um, and yeah, I, like, I don't fail any skill checks. I would also say... Like the only skill checks that I tend to fail are like reflex or like the the cool one, but they've never mattered. Do you know what I mean? Like I've never had yes. a skill check for those where it was actually important to the mission. The only ones that I've had that have been important to the missions are body and intelligence. Um, and so I maxed out intelligence and that has so far ended up being extremely useful for like main mission stuff. Cause I can actually like find shortcuts into things and stuff. So I don't know from what I've seen and it it could just be that. And I don't know, maybe this is true. Maybe cyberpunk just sort of tailors and offers you skill checks based on what you kind of have, but I don't think that's entirely no, accurate. It doesn't. Exactly. It doesn't. So then I think intelligence and body are honestly two of the, like the most practical and useful because they're also extremely useful for you as a, in combat. You know what I mean? Like body is just mm-hmm. extremely useful because it helps with your health and intelligence is extremely useful because cyber hacking motherfuckers is awesome. <laughs> you know? Uh, it's broken it's so big yeah it's worth saying like obviously those numbers will be higher if you've done all the side missions and like harvested all the extra xp which we both did also that's where the best content is so like obviously you would do that the main story is really fast like i spent the last like 15 or so hours just doing all this side stuff because the side jobs are fun Mm -hmm. even the gigs are pretty fun i have to say like they're obviously they're not that um involved but they offer interesting um mini stories within them and like they're very open-ended on how you can finish them. I haven't bothered playing them anymore because my street cred got maxed out pretty fast. Um, and so I'm sort of like, well, I'm going to save the gigs because I'm assuming when the expansion comes out that it'll likely come with a level cap increase, um, mm. which I do hope because I think it's capped, it's capped at 50 for street cred and I think 50 for your level as well. Though I think getting to level 50 right now in the game would be that's pretty fucking hard. Like I'm level like you'd have to like grind police things and extras i think i yeah other than the the street crime stuff i cleared everything and i don't think i breached level 40 really okay because i'm at level 37 right now um maybe a smidge beyond 40 then but i certainly wasn't anywhere near fully leveling out yeah and that makes sense because i've like i said i've done all the side jobs except for one that they won't message me so i'm like i don't fucking know i've slept so many times in my bed and they don't fucking anyway uh, they're just like, you'll be here next week. And I was like, I have spent more than a week in this fucking game at this point since I got this damn side quest. Uh, that, I just hate that kind of... Because I, the time thing doesn't really make much sense in this game either. Um, I theorize that the time mechanic, um, mostly it's just so that, you know, oh, it's RPG stuff. It looks nice to have it cycle through, which I will admit it's true. When storms come into town, it's really cool. Um, but I also think maybe for the reason some of the missions have specific times is so that they can kind of cheat a little bit so that when you have to wait and then they can kind of like set up that mission. Do you know what I mean? Cause like, I think they have to no, put like a new instance of like, okay, 
now this mission begins um, instead of just like meet this person there randomly because then do you know what I mean? Like it, it's easier to just have a ping that you click and wait and then the mission starts than it is to like have that mission in your list. And if you just walk here, that person is ready. You know, like anyway, I, I think there's probably some like smart um, designy stuff going on there. Um, or I could be wrong. And they're just like, no, we just thought that was a good way to do it. But it I think smart design and cyberpunk development do not go hand in hand. But, but okay. But to be fair, I don't think it's the design. That's the problem. I think it was mostly the, I, I'm the, being clear by now yeah. <laughs> or the, the producers. Sorry. Yeah. Um, but Keanu Reeves is great. Like I actually think the, the, um, the Johnny story is really fun. I've been having a very, very good time with Johnny. We've, we've become best buds. Uh, <laughs> uh, cause how else could you do it? That fucking, you know, uh, just anarchist little rocker boy. Um, and all of the characters I think are really interesting. I love Pan Am. Pan Am's awesome. Um, yes, and, uh, Pan Am best girl. Yeah. Judy is also though. Judy's my fave. Judy and I are, mm. we're, we're together. Um, <laughs> I'll I play, take Judy's not all that. Judy's great. Yeah, Judy's Judy's legit, man. Judy's. Did you do Judy's yeah. mission? You go under the water. It's so awesome. I did. Oh. I did do Judy's mission. Oh, Judy's, I still think she ain't all that. Oh, I love Judy. Judy's my queer little, uh, just like heart place. Because I played as female V. Um, ah, okay. Yeah, which I actually really like playing as female V. Um, and I also really appreciate that the game just like actually has. Like, it's really nice because the game... So sometimes I think in these games, something that bothers me is that they'll treat sexuality a little bit like a whatever. You know, like, we're all down for whatever, which is fine. Like, you know, I'm a little bisexual, boy. I get it. Some people are down for whatevs. But in this game, like, they have characters who's, like, bisexual, but then they also have characters who are just like, no. Like, Carrie's just gay um, uh, in the game. Or at least, uh, I think Carrie's pretty fluid. But Carrie, at least when it comes to romance, is like only interested if you're in like a male body, right? Um, whereas Judy is not interested in you if you're in a male body. And so I'm like, I kind of like mm-hmm. that. Like I think there's like, I don't know, it makes the it makes those characters feel more real. Like they they make choices a little bit, you know, instead of just kind of like, I am here for you, player, you know? Like it it feels a little more like real. And I also really like the representation they gave to Claire. Like Claire is just trans, and that's just it. Like she she just is and it's like i thought that was really nice and just has a full storyline that doesn't revolve around that and it's just like an interesting storyline and i was like huh this feels like that detail is incidental in her arc and that her arc is only incidental in like a side chain if i remember correctly it's a side job yeah it's not yeah yeah it's just like you said just this yeah which i and that's what i appreciate like it's just lived in right like it's just like this is this world and everybody Everybody lives their best life however they want to live that life, you know, in good old Night City. Um, so I, I just thought that was really, I was, I was really nice. I was like, oh, I appreciate the the work that they've done within this. Um, yeah, it's really fun. Shotguns are fucking dope in this game. <laughs> so is smart tech and everything, and in that cyber hacking and all of it. It's just, it is a really fun immersive sim, you know. Um, it is not revolutionary at all. It it, it does feel quite standard to the genre but it feels like and so this is kind of where i would compare with days gone where like what you've described to days gone feels like middle of the road standard whereas this feels like top of the pack standard at this point which again is why i'm so pissed off and unfortunately always had to bring up that launch that they launched it when they did because had this game come out now this is easily a like nine out of ten game 
like only thing that's like striking it down is like just some text shit you know um and it's worth saying even with all of that like the setting is pretty novel it is yeah and the setting even, is even yes, if you ignore all game. the little things that they do differently in terms of the gunplay um in terms of the the quick hacking stuff which it goes a fair bit beyond even you know the closest comparators watchdogs it, it goes a yeah. fair bit beyond that there's like planning you have to spec into its whole thing even if you ignore all those little things that setting is enough to separate it from other games like it because it yes. is such a fundamental part of the game and it fundamentally touches all aspects of the game and i think that's a comparison where days gone zombie post-apocalypse yeah that's it right you're like, like oh, been there done that. that doesn't narrow it down at all yeah and like cyberpunk is such a fascinating like the world they've created like from mike Ponce, because what i think is really neat about it is that it's a world it is a future as envisioned from the 80s and so like that to me i think is kind of neat because you know it's this it's this very tactile like it's very blade runner right like it's this tactile like you still Trophy jack trism, into yeah. shit right they don't just like do it over the cloud or whatever they, they they jack into stuff and like everything like the tech all feels very tactile um which i think is really it's, it's just really neat and like i just kind of love that the whole concept is like a world where corpos run wild right and like you're like yeah okay not that different from the world we live in at this point it's just it it comes through in a very different way right where it's like no well now we're controlling the net versus their net was a very different concept right um and the whole central idea is that their version of the net was brought down by a hacker in the 30s yeah and is is like a, a corrupt like place full of malware and yeah, 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 yeah um on that point it's worth saying the anime is a really cool and b features an arasaka academy high school which was yeah very- oh that anime was awesome i finished it last night actually like speaking of i haven't finished it this was not like no, i won't give you spoilers but fucking hell that is a good anime and like yeah it yeah it's i mean it's also fucked like it is fucked <laughs> in in all the best ways and uh i love it it plays on the cyber psychosis um and like that's like really the the central theme of that which like in the cyberpunk world cyber psychosis is the idea that if you chrome yourself out too much um, and like, you know, mod your body with too much um, cyberware, uh, it eventually drives individuals psycho. Like they literally go and then they call cyber psycho in the sense where it seems as though like, and it's interesting because in the game you don't like, there's a, there's a really fun sort of mission where like you go through and I think there, there are 17 cyber psychos that you can take out. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And I liked doing those. They're fun. I think they could have been a little better. They could have, I, I wish that they gave you more about each of those characters um, through actual like conversation with um, your fixer than with all tech. It was a lot of text. So I often skipped through a fair bit of it because it was too much. Um, but you don't get a strong understanding of cyberpsychosis, even though you can make people go cyberpsycho. Like I have the quick hack legendary one where I could, I can just turn. It's very fun to turn people cyber psychos. <laughs> but the show really demonstrates what that is, where like you start to like lose grip on reality entirely and like you're seeing like multiple different um like uh times and you go kind of nuts and just like over super powerful um because of like the corrupting influence of of the the chrome that you're wearing. And uh yeah, such a cool concept. Like um with tragic results for sure. Um and it's trigger. It's great animation. Very digestible. Ten episodes, twenty minutes long each. The animation's beautiful too. Like it's very beautiful. Um, 
obviously it's extremely mature. Like, don't go watching this with your fam. <laughs> uh, there's a lot of nudity and fucking heads exploding. So okay, just yeah. like keep that in mind. <laughs> yeah. First um, episode especially goes hard. The amount of people with just like, yeah. It goes way harder too as you get along. Like <laughs> the end of this fucking series goes hard. Like it is good mm-hmm. shit. Um, yeah, I like, I've just been like in a little cyberpunk bubble for a little bit here. Cause it seems like it was the right time to get back into it. Cause like all the announcements of the fucking expansion coming and then the anime and everything. I was like, I guess this was a great time to get back into cyberpunk. Cause it's just like, it's big right now. Um, and so, yeah, I would honestly argue, like, I think the anime is better than the game. <laughs> it's just as a piece of art, they're obviously very, very, very different experiences, but like in terms of demonstrating the world of cyberpunk, that show is incredible. And what's amazing is that like, that show, everything you see in it is from the game. Like they worked clearly extremely collaboratively with uh, CD Projekt Red because, like the sounds, the um, the locations that they visit, UI interface, even the call symbols, it's identical. And like yes. the security cam thing in the corner, it's all identical. The the quick hacking, it's yeah. all of it is identical to the game, um, but in a way that feels organic. And you even see some characters that you that are in the 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 game you'll see some of the yeah, show like the um Rogue? the chinatown fixer lady you oh Wakako. yeah that's the one yeah and it's the same character yeah. and yeah. You, you meet rogue at afterlife as well i mean she doesn't talk but you see her uh there as well because mm. you go to afterlife and stuff um so yeah it's uh it's really cool like there's just legit places that you can go to and stuff um and uh there's actually a really cool easter egg i think in one of the places that the main character lives at one point um so like there's some uh pretty cool stuff where like you're looking around and you're like Hey, wait, I own that. <laughs> You're like, oh. And there is a neat thing. Like, you can get some stuff from the show in the game now. Uh, that's actually, yeah. like, pretty pretty cool and pretty fun. And, uh, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I don't know, man. I just, it's good. I, it's a, I will say, Cyberpunk is a bleak fucking look at, the, at, at a future, too, though, and a world. Like, it is a world where you live fast, die hard. <laughs> like, that's, like yeah that's just how it goes in that world um and so yeah i'm really uh, i'm really digging it i think the voice actor for female v is phenomenal uh, i'm sure the male one is as well but i had fun playing as female v and so i don't think they had this when you were playing but this only came out i think in the most recent patch but they did like an outfit patch where like you can go and you can create outfits so every month, yeah. yeah every item that you get in the game if you sell it or dismantle it doesn't matter they keep a record of it and so i had my v decked out in some sweet outfits like i looked cool the whole game and it felt great because when you're like you know around your motorcycle and shit you could see it i had her in this like wicked coat and stuff it was really cool so that is an awesome thing and i realized i'm like man feel bad if you played this way back because like there is a lot of quality of life stuff that you don't realize um but no i know it's fine you, you had fun but um i just like the at the times like there'll be a few moments where like you'll receive an item and then suddenly it takes your outfit off and i'll like open my menu and i'm like oh my god because like v just looks horrible with like all this weird fucking armor and shit you're like ah like it's just disgusting i'm like turn my outfit back on and i'm like oh, okay phew, you look good again <laughs> so anyway that's uh that's it if anyone cares like if you're fashion inclined there's actually some pretty cool looking uh, outfits in this game that you can customize and put on so uh, i'm really glad they had that option because it's nice to make you look cool plus you feel cool when you're like decked out in like a fashionable outfit with a giant shotgun you're like yeah because that's like hmm. that's half of what cyberpunk's all about right everybody's dressed in the nines and cool fucking shit so like why do you gotta look like a psychopath <laughs> yeah that's fair i 
I definitely remember moments where I like would wave better outfits because my current one looked better. Right. So yeah. And that'll happen. Yeah. That's why it's nice with this update. You can just update all, you can just wear all the best equipment, but always look sharp. <laughs> mm. Um. Anyway, yeah, that's Cyberpunk. I'll have it beaten next. I'm literally in the last mission right now. Um, and uh, I, I chose, I, I wanted to, I don't know. I did everything right to, to be allowed to go towards what is considered the secret ending, but for some reason it didn't want to happen for me. So that's fine. I don't think you can get that first time round. Really? It says you can, but maybe not. Okay, maybe you can. Maybe you, maybe you could. But maybe I don't now know. you can't. Okay, yeah, that's fair. Uh, it's uh, okay. The ending that I'm going for right now is very satisfying, and I'm having a really good time. So it feels very like uh, it feels good. Not like no spoilers, but like nomad ending. We'll call it. Um, is the one that I'm doing right now. Um, which yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. What did you do actually? Like edit. So here, I'll list. Like, did you go like? Did you go like Johnny Nomad or? so i i initially when i was playing through the options mm-hmm. I, I i don't want to say this out loud so the um i'm doing a symbol i did that ending first accidentally oh you did the fourth one okay <laughs> just didn't even realize i was doing it and there's no way of pulling backwards i was like Oh, so this is what's happening now. Um, and then <laughs> that's a depressing ending, but yeah. and, and then I looped it back around, and the no man ending is the one with Pan Am, isn't it? Yes, that's the ending I did. I love that ending so far. It's I, I also funny. chose to romance Pan Am, so like it all tied in. Uh, nice. Yeah, you can't romance Pan Am if you're uh, female V. Female V. No, no, no. I know, but I played as male V. So I probably would have if I did, but. Um... But us being besties riding into the uh, <laughs> riding into the the final storm is a uh, pretty great. I'm, I'm digging it. Um, yes, yeah, and that final mission, I I have to say, I it felt very set piecey to me, but I understood that that's the way it kind of had to be. Um, but the overall story and the way it went, for the most part, I was really really satisfied with that ending. I didn't even bother looking at any of the others. Nice. So it's like, cool, that's me. Whenever the expansion stuff comes out, I will uh, play through again, do the other endings. Lol jokes on me, the expansions that come into PS4. <laughs> yeah, sorry. But they do have, uh, what are they? What was I going to say? They have um, cross-save and stuff, so. Ah, fuck that. My brother's got it on PC, so uh, I will I will family share his copy when I've got a better setup and when the expansion is out, and I'll do it that way. Oh, that's what I'm saying, though. You can cross-save, you can bring your save over to your brother's thing, because you can just use your... Yeah. I, there's a part of me that's quite interested to play from scratch and see how ah, different okay. an experience it is with all the app updates and everything else. So I think if and when I come back to it, I will come back to it from scratch. Yeah. I might even play as female view at the time, I don't know. Yeah. See how how uh, how exciting I'm feeling. Yeah, I think if I were to replay this at some point in the future, I would definitely play it as, as male V next time because it is different enough. Um, and that voice actor is different. Plus, I would have a hard time, I think, playing this again as female V because then I would just feel like I'd have to do everything the same way, you know? That's how I get it. I'm fine enough for a reason. I would be absolutely fine without that. Anyway. Um, but anyway, it's a great game. I, I, I recommend people jump into it now. It's still kind of buggy, but let's put it this way. On a scale of one to Bethesda, it's in the middle. Um, so. <laughs> is, that, is that a criticism or a praise i'm really not sure it's both um <laughs> yeah. no well because like let's be real 
Bethesda games are super fun and even more broken than this game. <laughs> um, so I think that's it for, uh, for yeah, for this part. Um, why don't we jump into our topic for this week, which is basically just like the collector mindset. Cause we talked about this a little bit last week. Um, the idea of having a collector mindset versus a, um, enthusiast mindset when it comes to gaming. Um, and I, I don't know, I thought it could be kind of fun to just talk about a little bit here, like where we think we sort of fall on these scales a little, uh, and maybe we can start by trying to have an operational definition of the collector mindset. Uh, Cause the way I sort of look at it is like, I don't know. I, I see individuals who enjoy the chase, right? Enjoy the thrill of getting a complete set of something, right? Like I, I hear people talk about, they're like, yeah, I want to have like a complete North America set of NES games or whatever. Right. Um, full well knowing, that one, you will never play all those games. Two, you would never want to play all those games. <laughs> nope. Uh, and three, that this will serve zero purpose besides being up on your wall, right? Because uh, I think collecting in general doesn't have a purpose, right? Like it, it can't really, besides the collecting of it and the displaying of it. Like, let's be honest, they don't serve a function because when it does serve a function, I feel like you're doing that for a different reason. Like, I would argue I have many games. I have too many games. I have more games than I can ever own, ever play. But every that's time I, I buy a game, games I could ever own. Own. yeah, which uh, that's a, a twister. But at the same time, every time I buy a game, I always buy a game thinking I want to play this, right? I don't think I've ever purchased something thinking I just want to own this. I'm not sure I've ever actually had that impulse. Um, when it comes to games, there could be other things. <laughs> but when it comes to games, you know, I always had that feeling. I'm like, well, no, but I want to play these games. Um, I'm not interested in just having a complete set of something. Um, so I don't know. What do you think? Am I, am I, is that hitting the, the money a little bit? <laughs> oh, you're muted, Rick. I like. I, um, I, I think that's the most extreme end. I think. There's a step below that, which I think is maybe more emblematic of the mindset, which is um, wanting to have it even if you know you're not going to play it anytime soon. And I think yeah. that's, that's the edge case where a lot of us fall in, and I think where a lot of gamers fall in, where it's like, oh, I would like to play that eventually. Yeah, but that, that's still just playing with the intent to play buying with the intent to play right like you're still not like you're, just it you're, like hoarding, it. you're hoarding it for eventually rather than like but i do think a part of collecting is the displaying right and the like the um the kind of yeah the displaying of it right like i feel like the hoarding hoarding is a whole other thing actually we could talk about that too we can add that to some mindset because i think hoarding the loose sense not in the I have a pathway through the junk in my living room. No, no, no. Yeah, but I, I mean, mean collecting like, is like just like a more elegant, safe, elegant way of saying carving. <laughs> yeah, mm. collecting is the coping mechanism of a hoarder. <laughs> it's not a yeah. problem. It's a collection. Yeah, it's a collection. This isn't a. Yep. <laughs> it's an interest. God damn it. Um, but like, 
yeah, anyway, Paolo, what do you think? What do you think when it comes to the collect? Because I think of all of us, you might have a more of a collecting uh, collector kick. But I don't know. We're both... Anyway, go ahead. <laughs> well, in, in my case, I really like to... For certain, very niche... Um, otome um, genres <laughs> of games. Mm-hmm. I really like to uh, go for the physical for the physical copy, especially if there's like a collector's edition on it, just because I like to support the developers. And it's like, hey, I really want more Otome games. And like everyone in the Otome game community is like, okay, everyone, we have to buy this game just or this because otherwise we are not going to have more Otome games. And that was it for a while. Now I don't have to buy every single game and release because holy crap, the Otome community have, has grown so much and we get so many releases each year that there's no possible way that I can buy all Otome games that are coming out and get the other games that I'm interested in. So I have to dial back a little bit on the collecting aspect of my collection. The collecting aspect of my collection. The collecting <laughs> aspect of my habits because there's just not enough money and with the price of the dollar, well, Paula is not going to get all those games. In this economy. Yeah. <laughs> In this economy, we are not going to get all the games. Uh, but one of the things like that I'm I try... I'm actually crying. <laughs> it's a bit of both. It's a bit of both. <laughs> yeah, it's a bit of both. In my case, I really like to buy just the games that I feel like I'm going to play. Unless it is Steam sales, because that is another whole kind of worms. But that's but, the thing, do Steam sales not bleed into like a, a collector mindset where it's like, I have to have it because it's cheap. Yes, I would like to play it, but I have to have it now because it's cheap. I also think, I don't, but is that collecting or is that, because for me, what that is, is like the idea of like, oh fuck, I might want to play this later and I don't want to have to pay full price then. Like I, like the, the I don't want to miss this deal, you know? <laughs> I think the shades of both. And I think this is where this stuff gets murky. And I think this is where we probably tell ourselves one thing to try and make but, ourselves feel better, but there's very much a case. I don't know for the other. though. I just don't think yeah. like personally, I because whenever I think of someone who collects something, there is always an element of display, right? Like there always is. Like if you collect statues you display your statues if you collect stamps you put them in your little stamp thing if you collect coins you put them in this thing if you collect books you put them on your bookshelves if you collect games you have them displayed when it becomes a digital like digital ephemera that to me is when it enters into a weird point i don't no one looks at my steam collection you know what i mean like i'm not i'm not displaying yeah, there is a, a degree of display like people can go and see your library depending on how you've got your privacy settings yeah usually i keep it, it private there's definitely a different emphasis but it's there it's yeah. not that, that that disappears; it just changes. But I think, but it's, I agree, it's, it's passive, nevertheless. Yeah, yeah like yeah. you could make it something that you emphasize. But I think the fact that it's so passive and that you could ignore it, and like I completely ignore it, I just don't like. Because to me, I don't, I don't know personally. I've never felt like, and like I'll admit, like there's some things that I like to collect, but I just never felt that way about games, especially the digital variety. Like it's just something mm. I've never, I've never felt like, oh, I'm buying this because I want to. So that my collection's complete, right? It's more just like I would like to add this to something that I can play at some point, right? And that's definitely an interesting difference where you're pretty all in on the digital future of gaming. Yeah. Um, 
whereas Paolo and I are much more physical orientated. And that's not to say we don't get digital games, obviously, but if we can get a physical, generally we will get a physical. But see, you know yeah, what it is? And in my case... Go ahead, Paolo. And in my case, I do go into the collector thing a lot, not only because I like the limited editions of games, but that have like they're often cool. The lecture, so they just like, hey, the person like you, I have the deck of cards right here. <laughs> mm -hmm. And I actually use this deck of cards. So it's not like I have it on display only. So it's kind of like, yeah, it's a collector edition, but I kind of actually go and use, go out of my way to use the things that come in the collector edition. Mm. But I am completely guilty of saying, hey, there's no a physical version of all the Ace Attorney games in this side of the world. <laughs> I went out of my way to order from Japan the ones that aren't physical on this side of the world. Oh, so no. yeah, I do feel a lot more in the collector mindset when I have the opportunity and when I do have the money for it. And see, that's the thing that like, you know, like for instance, I just recently bought a couple little statues, right? Like I've got, I'm getting those Ace Attorney ones and little Hollow Knight ones, which I find are fun. Um, but I mostly want those and like that I want to get for display. Um, and so I had a little bit of that feeling. It was like, well, I could just get one or I could just get all of them. Let's just get all of them right there. I felt a little bit of that collecting kind of drive. But when you talk about buying games, um, physical versus digital, I actually don't think I'm, it's not that I'm like full on in on the digital thing. It's just that I only want the cheapest one possible. That is my thing. My constant drive with games is as cheap as possible. Um, so like I'll buy physically if it's really cheap, like I got Dragon Ball Z physical because it was the absolute cheapest version, you know, checking out everywhere on all platforms, buying it used from this, you know, GameStop was like the cheapest way. And so like, I feel like that's part of where maybe where some of like the collecting mindset can sort of shift a little bit where it's like, when you're, when you have the enthusiast, like you're, you're here to play the game. For me, when I think about when I want to buy a game, the chief consideration is always price for me, right? Like, what is the cheapest price for the most bang? Whereas I sometimes feel like when you enter into that kind of collector mindset, because I think I am like this when it comes to um, physical media, i.e. like books and things on games, I'm a little collector-y about that stuff. Like, you know, I have all of the uh, Boss Fight books collection and I'm, you know, I do all the like multimedia, um, there's like a little magazine that comes out and stuff like, you know, profound waste of time, those kind of things. I really like to have yeah. them and like get a little collection of them. So those I enjoy because I can look at them and like they're nice and stuff. Um, and in those ones, I actually feel like price becomes less of an object for me. Like I don't mind paying a little more. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I feel like price. Yeah. I'm learning something about myself right now. <laughs> yeah. Price is always a factor. I think. I don't know what I think, apparently. I'm drawing a <laughs> blank here. Um, yeah. I don't, There's I, not I, a single thought behind those eyes. No, I, I, it's just the window sound in, in my head. <laughs> so I'm, I'm trying to work out where I think I fall, because I think I do. And maybe this is why I'm so insistent that there must be a middle ground, because I think that's probably where I am. Um, I'm definitely guilty of buying things to have in addition to buying things to play. And my predominant drive is almost always that I want to play a game that I've bought. Um, I would never buy a game I don't want to play, but at the same time, um, I know I'm guilty of buying games that I don't know when I'm going to play them. Um, <laughs> yeah. Generally, past, anyway, I know at yep. the moment I'm much more 
um, or trying to be much more mindful of it. If I'm getting something, it's either because it's a now or never situation price or whatever wise, um, or because I want to play it almost immediately. Yeah. I think I like to pretend that I'm uh, conscious of yeah. this and that I, I always tell myself, yeah. oh, no, I'm not going to get too much. And then I'm like, well, that Humble Bundle deal is $8. Um, <laughs> I can uh-huh. use 10 new games. <laughs> oh, Fanatical has a new deal. Oh, those ones look pretty good, you know. I did this a few weeks ago. We went to um, a, a shopping center and they had mm-hmm. one of the surviving physical game outlets called Game in the UK. Mm. Um, I went in for a browse, not intending to buy anything. Um, I spent 60 odd pounds on three Switch games. <laughs> it's always how it happens. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But I did. I did not even Switch exclusive. Fucking Fist Forged in Shadow Torch. There's a Steelbook version of that on Switch. I didn't know that before I walked in. I know it now because I own it. <laughs> you know, I actually, like, now that you're talking about this too, though, I think where, when it comes to video games, where I think I am, where I have a collector's mindset, is on gaming hardware. I think that's where, for sure, I'm like more in the sense of I like to buy some things just to have them. I have two Vitas. There's no reason for me to have two Vitas, right? But, I feel like there's a reason because one of them is jailbroken, one of them isn't. Yeah, and Rick's like got four, right? And yeah, Paul's got three. So that's where it comes in. It's in the hardware, right? I have a fucking DS Lite in there just because I love the way it feels. Will I ever really use mm-hmm. it? Probably not, but it's there if I need it. It's got the it's got the GBA slot. That's important. <laughs> and like, you know, I got a 3DS. I have a Playdate. I have a Retroid Pocket. It's important. It's important. It's ah, there you go. I have two ah. Switches for Christ's sake, you know, right? I have three Game Boy Colors or three, uh, mm-hmm. three two Game Boy Colors, two Game Boy Advances. Um, I have too many, and and I sometimes catch myself. I almost bought a Game Boy Pocket the other day because I was like, I don't have that form factor, um, right? And it's like, I don't need it, down boy. You know, you're like, it don't, yeah. you don't need that shit. And so, like, when it comes to hardware, that's where I feel like because I think, and, and I think this is actually what it is for me at least. When it comes to collecting something, I often want to collect things that I feel as if there is no equivalent to, right? Like. Mm. With the Game Boy Advance, yes, you could emulate, but you're going to have to do that on your computer. And I already know that that is a significantly different experience than getting to play on the hardware. So I recognize that it's like this set of hardware in this configuration only exists here, and I want that, right? I would like to have that. I want to own that. Um, Books as well, for instance. It's like, okay, well, I would like to have the physical because otherwise it's an ebook, and Lord knows if I download another ebook, it's going to go into a folder called Books on my computer, and I will never look at it again. It's just how it goes, right? Because it vanishes. Yeah. It's not It's not there in sight, so it goes away, right? Um, whereas games for me, I think one of the reasons why I don't feel so collecting about them, and I purge my games all the time, especially my physical games, I'll sell that shit in a heartbeat. I don't even give a fuck. I've sold lots of retro games, and I made bank off them, and I am happy with that, you know? Um, and like some people look at it, and they'll get sad. And they're like, why did I do that? And I was like, because I'd rather trade. I would rather get hundreds of dollars than have one moment when I'm older feel really nostalgic and look at a game. Do you know what I mean? Some people don't want to make that trade-off and that's totally fine. No judgment, no shade. It's just for me, I don't feel that compulsion. Um, And I also recognize that games have so many other ways of playing them, right? Like just getting that easy flash card or getting the, you know, um, the EverDrive. It's like, well, now I have every single game I want to play. Pop! And then you're good to go, you know? Um, so I don't know. I think that's what kind of tempers me from feeling super kind of, and I also think 
I also think it's a partly a conscious choice on my behalf because I know how easy it is to slip into the collector mindset and be like, oh, I just want to get this one. Uh, it's a little expensive, but it's not that bad, right? Um, and then suddenly you wake up and it's like five days later and you've spent hundreds of dollars on a couple fucking games. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yep. And you're like, but it's pretty. <laughs> yeah, in my case, I had to um, almost prohibit me from getting Japanese imports because you guys both know <laughs> that the five games that I imported, Mew and Switch, are now either localized or waiting for a localization to happen next year at most. Mm-hmm. I still, like, in a way, since the things that I bought came from with goodies and also I, at the time I was like, hey, but I can, like, uh, like to handle switches and try to see the translation and the original Japanese like at the same time. And I guess that is not going to happen, but still I can get myself to get rid of those because like, but it's, it's, a, it's a collectible. Hmm. Yeah, that's... It is in a different language that I didn't have. So you're like, yeah, there's a, there's a lot of good ways to cope. Um. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> You can always come up with yeah, good your fear one. Yeah. If your fear one, especially, was like, at the time, it was very cheap. Like, incredibly cheap, but, but uh, because it, it had like a cloth poster. It had a lot of little pins, which, by the way, I am very weak to. It had a booklet. It had like three CDs with stuff on it. And it was like, Hey, even if this gets localized, which at the time I was pretty sure it was gonna get localized, I just beat the bullet because of the collectibles. I am weak. Like I do the same for pencils. And there was like um I don't know how many years anniversary Sakura um fine liner thing going on a while back. And I I had the a full Sakura set with fine liners and a and a brush pen. And I got the special edition because it it just looked pretty and, and it felt very fancy and I still use it, but <laughs> it wasn't any different. The ink is the exact same uh that that was in like in the other uh, Sakura pencil, Sakura <laughs> fine liner. So hmm? you can see that I have a problem here. Yeah. I can't handle kitsch. Like any of the little shit that they put in collector's editions fucking hate that stuff. I, I throw that shit out so fast. <laughs> Unless it's genuinely useful. Like, you've talked about some that sound pretty cool. Like, the, the Persona, like, uh, card deck. Like, that to me is like, oh, that's kind of neat, actually. Like, you know, you can use cards for shit, you know? <laughs> and the art books are usually nice. Yes. And you know me. I got a weakness for, for books at this point. Books. Exactly. Exactly. But when you put, like, uh, little pendants in there, fuck off. <laughs> or stick sets that no one's ever going to stick to anything yeah, or ever. postcards. What the fuck is the postcard thing? Like, no one I, sends Having postcards. said that, the two, the two bonuses that came with Fist Forged in Shadow Torch were stickers and lithograph postcards. So... <laughs> don't, don't at me. <laughs> <laughs> but... If you're listening to this podcast, you should us tell us what you think. Are you a collector? Are you an enthusiast? Have we got this all wrong? Hit that like button and let us know. Do all of the things. Yeah. Tell us if you're a collector or an enthusiast or a bit of both. 
which we're probably all a bit about, but tell us. <laughs> um, okay. Shall we move on to... He's muted. How long's the the game? Thank you. <laughs> I accidentally hit my mute button. Because um, I have an animal on my lap right now who's being very uh, moving. Uh, so we should probably explain quick here. Uh, I think it's uh, Rick's turn, right? Pull up the game. It is my turn. So I am going to be picking a game for you two both to tell me how long it takes to beat. Yes. Like the website. Yeah. Um, so you'll be telling me main, main plus, 100% times, one point for each of those. And then there'll be a two-point bonus question, which is dealer's choice. Um, the game this week, I've already queued up. It is the original Kill Zone. Oh. Oh, the original Kill Zone. Okay. Ah. Okay. On PS2. On the PS2. Governor. Governor. <laughs> Before I Google it, what is the extra... So, um, the extra extra you are going to need to be careful about this. So... Um, in North America and Europe, uh, the game was published by Sony Computer Entertainment uh, for two bonus points. Can any of you tell me who published Killzone in Japan? Oh, in Japan. In Japan. And so you're saying it's not Sony? Uh, maybe. But this is a Sony first property. How evil do you think I am? Don't answer that. <laughs> <laughs> I know, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Are you asking us for like the specific Sony branch that? <laughs> maybe, maybe not. Uh, yeah. All right. Well. Okay. Uh. All right. Well, I, I'm gonna. Unless this is some kind of devilish trick question, I'm going to give you my uh, um, my bonus first. Ooh. I'm pretty fucking sure this is who published it, but uh, let's see. I'm giving nothing away because you've got answers to put in and Paolo's got an answer to put in as well. Yeah, let me try. Where is Rick on my inbox? Rick, where uh, are you? I can find you. <laughs> All right, I'm not feeling super confident on this one, but I have submitted my times. We, we shall see. Yeah, Alex is all in. Paula, just waiting on you. I like, you found my message. I can see you typing. I don't remember this one, but I yeah, think... just quick question: Does Kills have like a multiplayer thingy? Um, Ooh, Killzone. I know some of them do, but that first one, I, I don't know. Uh, yeah. So the original Killzone had multiplayer and online play for up to sixteen people. Oh yeah, wasn't that? Oh one no. It was one of its big things. But usually multiplayer doesn't count in usually in, in time. Well, we're we're asking for yeah. main, main plus, and completionist. They're generally on angled at the single player components. Yeah, exactly. Wait, uh, so um, this period. Was this before trophies, right? Yeah. Yes, yeah. yeah trophies weren't until the PS3. This was a PS2 title. Okay, I've, okay. I okay. played one Killzone game. I okay, then it's not the one. And I think I have that. I've heard it's Vita. quite good. It's fun, yeah. The Vita one's excellent. The Vita one's short but incredible. Um, it's also the PS, yeah. the PSP isometric one. Um, 
Killzo Liberation. Yeah, Excellent. Really quite good. I mean, the Killzone games are always like, they're usually like the, the demonstration of the power of, you know, Sony's new machine, basically. Okay, okay, I got it. Yeah. Right, yo. So we have time theme for everyone. Um, let's go. So, uh, main time. Paula says 10 hours. Alex says seven hours. Uh, Paula's bang on the money. That's a 10 hour main time. Oh, I'm fucked. <laughs> uh, nice main plus. Paula. Paula says 15 hours. Alex says 10 hours. Uh, 14 and a half hours is the time. Ooh. That's 0.2 for Paula. Nice. Uh, completionist. <laughs> Alex says 15 hours. Um, Paula says 25 hours. And it's a tight one. Uh, the completionist time is half an hour and 19 hours. So by the skin of his teeth, Alex scrapes a point there. Hey, I'll take Ew. one. <laughs> Uh, which makes it 2-1 going into the bonus question. Now, I asked you, uh, who published this game in Japan? Because in North America and Europe, it was published by Sony Computer Entertainment. Uh, Alex has put that it was also published by Sony Computer Entertainment, or SCE, because he thinks I'm horrible. Um, <laughs> he's right about that, but he's not right about the answer. It wasn't published by Sony Computer Entertainment in Japan, not at least according to how long to be. Uh, Paula said that in Japan the game was published by Sega. And she's bang on the money. It's Sega that published the game what? in Japan. How did so, you know that? I, I know. I don't know. Also, I think it's just a really good guess, to be fair. Sega published yeah. Killzone? Yeah. Well, so says How Long to Beat. Really? I want to look that up. Ah, huh. Sega Retro. Wow. That's right? weird. So it was produced by Sony. Um, yeah, how did you right. know it's that, Paula? Title. <laughs> it was technically, I guess, because it was like, okay, okay, okay. Let's try to think a lot. And I don't know, like, what was the situation between Sony and Sega, like, uh, at that time. But right now, I know that Sega publishes a lot of stuff. And Sega Atlas publishes, like, a lot of stuff for a time, just for Sony, Persona Games especially. And like, for some reason, it was like the the first publisher that came to me when it was like, oh, Japan. For some reason, the that was like Sega. And because I I I really was like, hmm, maybe Bandai Namco, but um, that doesn't sound right. That was the the other one that came to mind. Yeah, I would have never in a million years guessed Sega. Honestly, never ever. I. I did, I just knew know this as a as a PlayStation first party game. Uh, that's interesting. I guess it was because it was designed for um, Europe and North America, and it was only ported to Japan <laughs> by Sega. Um, wasn't initially released there, apparently. Yeah, I think it was a slightly later release. Yeah, I've closed the tab now, so I can't see. But yes, I think it was. It was. It was ported a year later. In 2005, which is very unusual um, for games of that era. Well, good job, Paula. Um, you're up now. It's six for Paula, three for Rick, one for me. That's all right. And I'll Paula's hosting <laughs> the last game of this game week of this round of the new format of the How Long to Beat game. So Jesus, that was a lot. There, there is, <laughs> <laughs> it is. There is scope for uh, Alex to catch up to Paula we'll or see. for me 
to surpass Paola before the conclusion of this game week. So it's all on the table and it's all still to play for. That was a cool bonus so one. Make sure you tune in next week. Sorry. And still, I can just pack up in the next round. So you never know. Um, mm. I was gonna say that that was a cool you bonus one. I really did had no idea that Sega fucking published and ported this. That seems like such a. Mean. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, because I always I always tag Killzone with Sony, right? And it's like, yeah, they're so all those game companies. They're so interconnected, right? Like. They just, especially in Japan, they work together all the time on so much shit. Like, I feel like yeah. each of these companies are like, you know, like whenever people talk about how they're like, oh, you know, like Square, or like Sega has a really good relationship with like, with like Sony or something. It's like, yeah, but Sega, fuck it. Like Sega has shit that they work exclusively with Nintendo on, like Bayonetta. And then they're fucking throwing uh, Yakuza at uh, Microsoft all day long. And then like, you know, what I mean? like they're all over the place with everybody. Yeah. Just go wherever I mean, to be fair, Sega, Sega doesn't work with Nintendo Bayonetta. That's that's Platinum's IP. Sega just wouldn't fund yes. it. But but again, they did um, work with uh, Nintendo to get that going. So um, sure, 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 sure. Just yeah. but that's what I mean, though, right? Like, there's there's just shit all over the place for them. They're like wherever the money. It's is. so very incestuous. Yeah, yeah, which makes sense in a small uh, uh, kind of working industry. in a small small set of island. Yes. You would imagine you would have to have good working relationship with a lot of <laughs> companies. Anyway, that's it for this week. Tune in next week for more. How long to beat podcast? Toodles. Yes. See you the next Bye. time you hear our voice. When well, we won't see you because it's an audio recording. But Would you yeah, hear us. <laughs> hear us next time you hear our voice. I don't know. Bye. Stop. Yeah. You're professionals. <laughs> 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 oh.